just want to start off today by saying thank you um, for, to, to the Liberty family who have helped support Beth and I over the past couple of weeks and months, um, sent texts, helped out with dinners and, and given us a place to, to stay after the after picking up the kids. It has gone not on notice. It, we, it has been a massive blessing to us. So just wanted to say that while I had the chance to. Um, welcome. If if this is your home church, then good to see you. If it's uh, not, if you're visiting today, then um, welcome again. We'll, it, it, it is a blessing to have you with us, and, and hopefully that it will be the start of, of uh, an ongoing relationship with you. Um, like Ryan said, we're going through um, Psalm 2 today. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to find that now. If you've not got a Bible today, can I um, ask you to just put your hand up? We've got Bibles at the back that we can just give out, and um, they are yours to keep. You can take those home with you. Um, if that is you, um, Psalm 2 can be found on either page 448 or 536 of the the church Bibles. Great. Um, Hopefully you've you've managed to get there, um, but I will read it, um, read Psalm 2, and then we'll pray, and then we'll jump in. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree that the Lord said to me, You are my son today, and I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you that you have um, placed each and every person in this room um, in, in the seats they are in and you have had them there since the beginning of time. Thank you that we can find freedom in you, that we can worship you and that we are free to, to come here today to, to know you and to, to learn about you without, without persecution. Lord. I pray that you'll be with us, that you'll open our, our eyes, our ears and our hearts to, to what you have to say today, Lord. Pray for the mechanics of my sermon that you will take out anything that you don't want to be said and put in anything that you do want to be said so that your name above all else is glorified today. Be with us and just open open my lips to, to say the right thing and to, to be able to say it with confidence and with, and with surety. Amen. How are we doing today? Good. If you're anything like me, over the past few years, you've been looking around and you're seeing global pandemics, you're seeing the war in Ukraine, you're seeing uh, petrol prices going through the roof, a a global financial crisis, the cost of living going up, Donald Trump was was president, and, and you're thinking to yourself, what on earth is going on? 
The world's gone mad and everything seems to be going wrong. This isn't the way that life was meant to be. This isn't the way the, way the world was designed. And you know what? If you're thinking that, you're right. It's absolutely not the way the world was designed to be. If we, if we jump in the Bibles, right, um, I'm going to be hopping across a few um, different books of the Bible today. So um, if you want to, I'll, um, I'll, I'll give you the sort of citations at the end. But if we go right to the beginning, to Genesis 1 and 2, the world was made right. God spoke the world into existence and it was good. And then he created man and it was very good. And he gave man um, and Adam and Eve um, instructions and commands which would, were put in place and they were designed for man and women and hum- humanity as a whole to flourish. And not even one chapter, not even one full chapter after that, we see brokenness come into the world. We see the devil approach Eve and Adam and paint God's instructions to them as, and his commands as restrictive and limiting. If you want joy, he's saying, if you want joy, you, you know what's good for yourself. If you want love, well, God, doesn't want, um, God, God doesn't know what's best for you. He's saying that God says this is how you have peace. Oh no, it, you won't die. You can stand on your own two feet. And God wants you to serve him. God wants you to work. Oh, no. No, you can be like God. And humanity has followed time and time again that same path of seeing what God says as restrictive and limiting and putting us in shackles and thinking, I know, I'll go after this. I'll go after freedom. And that's how David opens Psalm 2. We read it again, just the first four verses of of the passage. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. The language that's being used here is, is, is one of slavery, of let's break away from slavery, let's take these shackles, these handcuffs off us and go after what we really want. Let's, let's put ourselves up and we are setting ourselves up for war against God. And that's been humanity's natural inclination from the, from, the, from the Garden of Eden right the way through to today and beyond. We reject God and humanity rejects God in search for what we think is freedom. And then you go skip forward a few um, books of the Bible to the, to the book of Judges. And you see the spiral happening, the spiral, downward spiral happening where we are, we are good and everything is going well. And then we, we sort of see... The grass on the other side and we think, oh, that's better. I'm going to, see, I'm going to go after freedom. I'm going, to mess up. Um, I'm going to choose to go away from what God's designed. I'm going to move away from his, his hand and I'm going to seek what I think is freedom. And then we mess up. And then God brings them back. And then we start the cycle again. Seeking freedom and then not fulfilling anything that we want. And at the end of the book of Judges, you, you have the phrase... And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. How much do we see that in today's society? I'm going to do what I like, when I like, how I like to do it, and with whoever I like. How I feel, that determines how I, who I am. Do whatever makes you happy. And if someone says you're wrong, then they must be wrong because I'm happy. 
Follow your dreams and cut out whatever, whatever holds you back. If you're searching for joy, ah, we know where to find joy. You've got temporary highs. You've got drugs. You've got comfort eating, gambling, cheating. You're searching for love. Ah, we've got the hookup culture. We've got sleeping around. We've got toxic and abusive relationships that seem like they're, they're brilliant relationships until you get into them and then you find out the truth. We've got lust, porn, identities being found in our sexuality, divorce and, and adultery going on everywhere. Okay, you want to have safety. Ah, great, we've got safety. Do whatever makes you comfortable. Just lock up the doors around you and, and don't let anyone in. And then that leads to isolation. That leads to depression. Loneliness. Ah, financial safety. Ah, that's what we've got. Death. Going to the wrong places. And that, the idea of service is just preposterous. No, no, you've got to serve me. And if you don't serve my interests, you're gone. There's laziness, there's working, and then the flip side of that is working to the bone, working into, keeping, working yourself into exhaustion in the hope that you, you'll have enough when the day comes where, where you need it, but ultimately you're exhausting yourself, running yourself on empty. And this is the freedom that the world offers. And there's no foundation, it's shaky, it's like building your house and, and setting up your, your home in a sandcastle. The second the wave comes, it's gone. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 4 talks about the, the freedoms that the world offers, the, the, sort of the, the treasures that the world craves being like a vanity, being like smoke. Where do you go to for, for joy, for love, for service and for safety? How do you view God? Do you, sorry, how do you see his instructions and his commands as limiting, as restrictive? And what are those fake freedoms that you are chasing after? Now, it'd be dead easy to sort of think, okay, so the people in the Bible in this passage, they're the ones raging, they're the ones plotting in vain, but no, it's, it's us as well. And our rejection of God isn't passive. Look at the, what the, the terminology that's been used here. They're raging, they're plotting, they're setting themselves, they're, they're going to war council. It's violent language being used here. When we reject God in favour of our own freedom, we commit treason against him. We show ourselves to be enemies. How should God react to that? Because the battle lines have been drawn and we're the ones who are holding the pen. Let's look, and we'll see in verses 4 and 5, what God's reaction to, initial reaction is to these worlds, um, to the world's freedom sort of raging up against him. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. He laughs, not because it's funny, not because it's a joke, not because we're just sort of, yeah, not because it's, it's funny. It's because the flimsy freedoms offered by the world are the same as if an ant looked to a giant and then said, I'm going to attack you. <clears throat> the idea itself is laughable. And then when God's finished laughing, when he's just snorting at them, thinking, you're nothing. He speaks. He doesn't shout. He doesn't roar. He's not out of control. He's calm. 
and in control. He just speaks. Just stop and think and just come back a little bit to Genesis. God created the world not with um, a huge effort, not with like his, his hands and, 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 and putting it all together. No, he just spoke the world into being. God spoke and this was created. But this time in the passage we're seeing that he speaks with fury. He speaks to the rebellious nations with fury. To the rebellious kings with fury. The rebellious rulers to the people. To me, to you and the world with fury. And the idea of this, the, the thought of this should rightly terrify us. Why should it terrify us? Because Romans 6, the wages of sin, sin being the disobedience and rebellion of God, that those wages, what we deserve from that is death. It's like a kite flying in the, in the air, like, um, just flourishing in, in, in what it's meant to be doing, looking down at the line that's tying itself to the human at the bottom, saying, if this line wasn't here, if I could, if I could just be free from this line, I would have freedom. I'd be able to go where I want, when I want, how I want. And then just imagine if that line was cut, that line, if that kite is going nowhere but straight down to earth. That's the way that, um, that it is for us. We are that kite. If we look at that, that line, God's, God's uh, plans for us is, is, is right laws and commands for us. And we think, oh, we don't need those. We want to go our own way. There's one place we're going, and that's straight down to earth. In our pursuit of the world's freedom, we placed ourselves rightly in the firing line. In effect, we volunteered for death row. We're guilty. Every single one of us, in our natural state, we are guilty. And there's nothing that we can do about it on our own. Now for David, as he writes this psalm, he's been anointed the king, he's been set as king of Israel, and there are warring nations going on all the way around him. So as he writes this, this psalm, he's seeing these um, warring na- nations surrounding Israel, and he's saying that God will, will conquer them, and he'll use me to conquer them. But if we stop there, we've missed 99% of what this psalm is about. If we stop and we only look at it through the eyes of David, we've, we've lost it. Now, Samuel, 2 Samuel 7 has um, God's covenant, his, his promise and his, his, his deal with, with David um, written down. It says, um, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. In the midst of warring nations, when everything seems to be going wrong, God promises David a forever kingdom. Free from the attacks of those who are persecuting God and his people. Through an anointed king. Who does this sound like? Jesus. Jesus is that anointed king. And we see this in the central verse of the psalm, both literally in terms of it being verse 6 out of 12, but also the turning point of the verse. 
And we see that. And he says, as for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. In the face of rebellion from humanity, God is saying, you all might hate me. But you all do hate me. You all reject me. You all have fallen for the lie that has, repeated, has been repeated through the millennia. In spite of this, in spite of us falling for, the, for that lie, when our rebellious humanity is most <coughs> deserving of God's wrath, he provided the king. And what's more, he's going to set him on Zion. Now to David, that is where the tabernacle was. That is where the, the Jews would, would bring their, their sacrifices to, to make and to, to put on, the, on that altar as a sacrifice in penance to God. To show that they were sorry for what they'd done. God is setting his king, his anointed king, on the altar. God's anointed king has been set in a place of sacrifice. The cross. Jesus, God's own son, the king of kings, enters Jerusalem in Luke 19, verse 38. And the crowds are singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And a week later, they were shouting, crucify him. And a day after that, he was killed on the cross for our sins. The innocent king taking the punishment that we deserved for chasing after those fake freedoms. He died to give us a real freedom to a rebellious humanity. I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. God provides a message which can do one of only two things to the reasonable mind. It can either fill our hearts with the promise of life, or it can terrify us with the reality of death. Which is it for you? Whether you like it or not, Jesus is king. In fact, he's king three times over. He's king of kings, so he's king over all those people who are raging against him. He's king of the believers over those who bow down before him. And he's God's chosen anointed king. The only choice that we've got, the only options for us, is how is he going to be our king? And as the psalm closes, we're brought to having two outcomes. Wrath or refuge. those who to verse 9 for those who continue to rebel against him it says that they will be broken with a rod of iron dashed into pieces like a potter's vessel now that's absolute language for those of you don't know i've got three boys and they are lovable rogues if we can say it in a nice way Um, and nine times out of ten they're more rogue than lovable um and we, we were woken early on um, the morning the other day to, to the sound of shattering glass and then shouting. So I, I went in to investigate and what had happened is completely accidentally for once, they dropped a glass. And all I could see all over the floor was these shards of, of, of glass, these tiny little pieces scattered everywhere. And, and I cleared the kids out and I got the glass and the biggest part and I started putting the little bits back in and as I sort of put it on the table I was looking at it thinking ain't no way I'm fixing this I'll, I'll get my tweezers out I'll get my super glue out and 
And for those who know me, I'm rubbish at jigsaws. But if I spent the next two years just trying to get these, every bit of glass in the right place, who here would drink out of that glass? Not one person. It ain't gonna work. Just like the potter's vessel here, it's not gonna be put together. After it's been, after it's been dashed into pieces, there's nothing, no coming back for an unrepentant, rebellious humanity. Their fake freedoms have been tested. Their happiness has faded. The, the sort of fake love, the, the conditional love has run dry. Their service has been found wanting and their search for peace has yielded nothing but struggle and pain. And they've been exploited by the fake freedoms the world offers. So that's for the wrath. What about the refuge? But the psalm closes with a serious call to repentance. It calls us to action. And with that repentance, with that, with that coming to God in realisation of, of how smashed up we are, with that realisation of how fake and flimsy those freedoms are, God calls us to real freedom. Verse 10 to 12. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Our freedom cannot be found in the world. It can be found solely and wholly at the cross. If you've been broken by the world... If you've chased after those freedoms only to find that one, it isn't free, and two, the cost is too great. If you've drank at all the worlds the world has to offer and they haven't satisfied you. If you are thinking, this can't be it, there's got to be more. Take heart. Because we see freedom in the gospel. We find freedom at the cross. 2 Corinthians 3.17 where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Romans 6, 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. John eight thirty six. So the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. In my anguish, sorry, uh, Psalm 1185, in my anguish I cried to the Lord and he answered by setting me free. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Ephesians 3 verse 12, in him and through faith, um, in him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Romans 8.20.21, 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Jesus is king, and he is the one that delivers freedom to the rebellious heart. God's anointed has been appointed, and we shall not be disappointed. So we point the exploited to the anointed so that he can be joined in rejoicing. 
say that again. God's anointed has been appointed and we shall not be disappointed. So appoint the exploited to the anointed so that we can all be joined in rejoicing. And we're called to respond in four ways. Firstly, with peace. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. That's what it says in the passage. It closes up the psalm off with that. There is no safer place to be than under the care of God. When life seems to be crumbling, when there isn't enough money to pay for the debt, for the money uh, for the bills that are going out at the end of the month, when the 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 there's holes in the ceiling and, and the rain is pouring in, when your life is trapped by drugs, by alcohol, by gambling, by addiction of any kind, there is no safer place to be than under the care of God. The storms of life could be raging on, but there's safety and security knowing that you are a son or daughter of the living God. And Jesus is that lighthouse lighthouse in the storm. He's a refuge to the refugee. Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. They are freed. If this is you, if you are struggling in the storms of life, take heart. Take refuge in him. He is steadfast, he is sure, and he is faithful. And in his refuge there is freedom, and in that freedom there is peace. You don't have to struggle with Jesus secondly respond in service the passage and I've lost it a second just bear with me it says serve the Lord with fear now we are not saved into freedom we are not brought from the, the struggle of life into freedom to become passive beneficiaries of the cross it's not just something that you, you tick a box and then that's it, done for life. No, we are called into service. And if you haven't been listening today, sorry, if you have been listening and you don't get that there are messy, broken people out there, and probably in here as well, who needs to hear about King Jesus, hear about the freedom that the cross brings, you've not been listening properly. I don't care if you're nine or you're 90. If you're rich or you're poor, you're middle class or working class, if you're a new Christian or if you've been walking with God your whole life, today move and serve. We're not slaves in that respect. We don't begrudgingly have to serve. It's not a tick box thing that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. Matthew eleven twenty eight verse 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then straight away talks about a yoke putting on a yoke and getting to work. Now that seems to me, if you read it first, there's conditions there. No, it's something that we get to do. It's a natural outpouring of that freedom is that we want to share that freedom with others. And we want to react and live in light of that freedom. There's beauty in service. It's a privilege for us. Have you ever seen someone sort of... It <coughs> when you've ever seen that gospel, the gospel click with someone and they think... Ah, this is what it's about. If you've ever seen that, it is a privilege to be there and see that. Do you know what? God does the heavy lifting. 
We don't have to struggle. Yes, it's hard sometimes, but we're there with God doing it. And he is the one in control of the things that we are trying to, to, to promote and, to, and to, to tell people about. He is the one who does it. Thirdly, with love. The love the world gives is conditional. The strings attached to it. The love that we are called to respond in is unconditional. It's affectionate love. Kiss the sun. Who gets to approach God with affection? No one but a son or a daughter of God. A son or a daughter of the king that has been anointed. We get to walk into that throne room and react and respond to the freedom and respond to the cross with love. We get to show love to other people. And we get to receive and we get to show that, not with a flimsy, half-cocked, sort of temporary love, but an enduring, consistent, no-strings-attached love. And how do we know this? Because when we rejected him, when our hearts were at their worst, he loved us and he sent his son to die for us. How can we not love God because of this? How can we not love his people because of this? How can we not respond to the cross with love? And fourthly, with joy. We respond to freedom with joy. We are called to rejoice time and time again in the Bible. It says rejoice. Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice to the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And friendships spiral downwards and break up. Rejoice in the Lord. When my wife and I are failing at communication and seem to find more harmful words than loving ones, rejoice. When children, when our children seem to be walking away from their relationship with God, rejoice. When we're forced to move out of our home, rejoice. When the medical report, when the doctor comes back and says, it's cancer, rejoice. When addiction rears its head, rejoice because God's got you in hand. When you lose your job, rejoice. And we can take comfort and we can take joy and we can rejoice knowing that there's more to this pain. We can, we can rejoice knowing that there's more to the sorrow, to the to this grief, more than just this moment. Yes, they are honest feelings. They are right places for, there are right places for grief. There are right places for struggle. But we can delight, we can rejoice in God because he is bigger and better than all of those things. We can, we can take freedom knowing that God has taken care of everything for us. We can love wholeheartedly because of the freedom that is given at the cross. We can take joy in every circumstance because of the freedom that is given at the cross. We can serve without sinking because of the freedom that is given at the cross. And we can have peace in every storm because of the cross. Because of the cross we have freedom, people. Let's not chase after the flimsy, half-baked freedoms that the world promises that never ever satisfy and let's turn instead to the freedom that we find in Christ at the cross.
Lord Jesus, thank you that we can we can come to you in with our with our hands out with our hands held out open, Lord, and and that you will fill us with 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 joy, with peace, with love, and and that we can serve you in knowing that you give us freedom. We can we can thank we thank you because of the cross, and we thank you because of um, you have opened to our, our eyes to how that is better than anything the world can give. I pray that as we go out today that we will see that, that we will see the things of the world for what they are, that, that we will see the things of the world for um, the fact that they can't satisfy us, that they won't satisfy us, and that we can turn from those and come to you with, with our eyes and hearts full, knowing that you are enough and you are sufficient and you are more than big enough for anything in our life. I pray that we will come to you, in, in relationship, with, with love, with joy, with peace and in service, Lord. Amen. Amen.